0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to cover verses 16 through 24 and to be honest with you, if I didn't have that conviction in my heart just to teach through the Bible, you know, if I was just one of those churches that did topical studies, then we probably wouldn't, you know, cover this because it's not as dazzling, it's not as exciting, and it's not like you know systematic theology. And that's why, you know, unless you're a church that teaches through the Bible, you probably wouldn't cover this. But then, when you start, you know, digging into it and realizing what it teaches you'll find that it's a very important passage for us as a church. You know, um, just to let you know, God has given us stewardship. God has given us things, in one sense, they're kind of ours to manage. Um, And I've mentioned them to you. I think it's good to kind of understand what they are. God's given you a body. He's given you a temple, so to speak. And I want to encourage you to, you know, be a good steward of your body. Take care of it. You know, try to eat right a little bit, exercise, or just be a good steward of your body. Don't abuse it, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, God has given us time, and uh, we only have so much time. You know, we're going to die one day. Some of you will live longer, some of you will die younger. We don't know, but whatever time He's given you, I want to encourage you to give Him His time. Give it back to Him. It all belongs to Him. You know, we're stewards of things like that, we're stewards of our family. You know, I call it the gang. And, you know, you take care of your family. You have to give an account to God. You're, in one sense, the leader, the manager of the family. Take care of them. You know, I, I think we, I, God's given us gifts. All of us here, if you're a Christian, you have certain gifts. Don't bury it. You know, you have talents that you are buried with, that you're different than other people. You were, you know, created creatively, whatever it might be. You know, use those talents and gifts. For the glory of God, because one day you'll you know give us an account for it. You know, I I think of a lot of things. I think of the gospel, how we're stewards of the gospel, and you know the gospel. You should give it out. Uh, we're stewards even of this planet. I know some people don't like that. Christians don't like that. Don't go to the extreme, but yeah, God's given us this planet. Take care of it the best that we can. But the thing that we're talking about today, and on all those things, I think they need to be registered in our hearts as Christians, as people who understand who they are and how God has given us these things to take care of. The thing that we're talking about today, and we've been kind of talking about, is money. You know, the finances. You know, And I think that a lot of Christians, they haven't surrendered that to God. I mean, you know, we're talking primarily about giving to the poor, but I'm just kind of using this as an opportunity for you to get this area. Ask God for the grace and the wisdom to get this area right in in the Lord, man. That you would be obedient, understanding that every single penny belongs to Him. It's not yours. You can't do with it as you please. It's all His. And I think for us as Americans, he's given us a lot. And what we've done with it, unfortunately, is we've indulged. And God, I think, in coming to places like this is pretty cool because we have then the opportunity to just kind of like rewind a little bit and say, okay, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do with your finances? And and we're going to see that in our study today. Um, That's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it, I think, is as a church and as as ministries. You know, you guys, I think about this sometimes. You guys work hard, and you give to the ministry. And we, as a ministry, need to be really careful with that money. Because as you guys know, there's a lot of ministries out there that haven't been. Uh, they've been abusive. I was reading story after story after story. It's not hard to find stories huh, of treasurers, church treasurers, pastors, leaders, people in the church who have abused it. I was reading about some lady. She got, you know, a side house, a couple of BMWs, um, maxed all the credit cards. I mean, four hundred and forty-four thousand over here, a hundred and six thousand over here. And you know, I was reading one story about a guy who was a church treasurer who stole. And what ended up happening was the church was totally divided over it because part of them said, you should take it to the courts. So Others said, no, deal with it in the church. And it just, just, it just destroyed the church. But these things, you know, they happen. And so what, what do we do with this? And how does it all work? And, and I think today we have in our study some pretty cool things that we, I, as Christians, um, we need to know. It's good to know. Maybe we wouldn't have studied it otherwise, but thank God we have that conviction of teaching through the Bible. And again, remember the background here. Paul is going to the different churches, really in Asia and Macedonia, and uh, now here in Corinth. And he's collecting for the poor saints in Jerusalem, right? And so we're in the middle of that, and, and, and he's going to send Titus, and he's going to send a couple of guys to go and complete the collection, and and so that's where we pick it up in, in verse 16. It says, But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, And not only that, but he who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself. And to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we may have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf now if you've been coming the last few Sundays you kind of you know a lot of what's going on if you haven't you just kind of jump right into it Um, there's a lot of poor people 21,000 that die every single day because they don't have food and I think that what we're seeing is that God is just stirring us up to help those who are genuinely poor Uh, three things stand out I kind of divided it up this way number one Dealing with the flock carefully and eagerly. Dealing with the flock carefully and eagerly. If you're a servant of the Lord, you should care. You should care and you should be eager. You should be earnest in that care. Not sloppy agape. Care, earnest, eager. Secondly, is dealing with the finances with honesty and accountability. Honesty and accountability. Not just honesty. Yes, honesty is important. But make sure you're accountable. Make sure that people are seeing what's going on before men. And so, number one, dealing carefully and eagerly with the flock. Number two, dealing with the finances, with honesty and integrity, or accountability, I should say. And then number three is dealing with the poor, loving And even gloriously, and and we're going to see how that all works out right here. But in verse 16, Paul says, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. And so Paul was grateful to God because the work that God had done in his life. I mean, if you see somebody and they care for people, that's the work of God. It's a beautiful, it's a miracle what God does when he actually works in people to care for the church, right? And he gives the glory to God that Titus earnestly cared for the congregation in Corinth. And you guys, apparently there weren't a lot of men, there weren't many ministers who genuinely cared for the people. And so he was appreciative whenever he found someone who was ministry-minded men who could kind of send on his behalf and not have to worry whether or not they were in it for themselves. No, these guys, they really care. Their care is earnest. talks about Titus here. Later, he wrote something similar to the Philippians about Timothy in Philippians 2, 19 through 23. Let me read it to you. It says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, and as soon as I see how it goes with me. You see, to have people that earnestly care, is the work of God. Titus was one of those guys. Timothy was one of those guys. And Paul was grateful for them. But they're rare. They really are. Now the fascinating aspect of all this is that Titus is about to... He's going to bring the letter to the Corinthians, right? And they're going to have at least a couple other guys that's known as delegates. They're going to keep everything accountable and on the up and up. And, you know, it's kind of funny. One of the primary reasons for the letter is to complete the collection for the impoverished Christians in Jerusalem, right? And so, you know, he cares enough to travel, it's kind of funny, and receive the donation. Now, uh, some people would say, well, that's not care. That's like he, he wants something from us. No, it's care because he knows this that it really is more blessed to give than to receive. It really is. You know, most don't see this as caring. Uh, They would only see this as asking. You know, when you uh, offer the opportunity for someone to give to a missionary who needs a car in Cambodia, or maybe for the poor person over there who doesn't have any food, it's so sad to see how some think that's not caring. They see it as asking, but little do they know that that's, in one sense, one of the highest forms of caring. Because if, tell you what, you guys, if we can get this right, if we can understand that every penny belongs to God and we don't have to indulge the way we've been indulging, God will change our life. You won't be possessed by your possessions. You know, Christians, thank God, they can't be possessed by demons. Aren't you guys grateful for that? But I think you can be possessed by your possessions. And all the the money that God blessed you with, that God gave you with, to help others or give to the church maybe, you know, we're getting buried by it. And the Lord just says, man, if you can get this right, you're going to be set free. It's just really cool. You know, they say that caring is sharing, right? (laughs) And in all reality, caring is caring if Christians are sharing. I thought that was funny. Paul Barnetti said this, The Corinthians might think that the zeal of Titus for the relief fund was zeal on behalf of the Jerusalem poor, but it was really on behalf of the Corinthians. They would be the chief losers if a suitable sum was not raised in Corinth. And so there in verse 16, Paul says, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you Into the heart of Titus. In verse seventeen he says, For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. You know, and I don't know, you guys like to travel? How many of you here like to travel? You're like, I never travel. You know, I go to I go to Sam's club, but no, you know traveling is kind of cool but if you do it a lot and if you go far and if you do these missions trips it's not a vacation a lot of times people think it's a vacation Oh, you're going to Cambodia on vacation time huh no it's not it's hot (laughs) and uh and there's certain things about the food and it's a traveling and all that kind of stuff and and so, and so you think about it nowadays, and then you kind of amplify that back then. This wasn't easy stuff. Titus had gone uh, to Corinth. He, he went back to Macedonia. Paul met him there in Troas or Macedonia. And, uh, and man, it, it wasn't easy. So when Paul kind of gets the information, he kind of says, hey, can you go back? And, and most people would say, I just got here. I mean, I need some me time right now, you know? And, and Titus is, absolutely, absolutely, without a hesitation. Oh, yeah. Why? Because it says there in verse 17 that he not only accepted the exhortation, but he, he was more diligent. He, he went to you of his own accord. We read in verse 16, because of the earnest care that he had for the congregation you know you know paul didn't draft titus the young man had a desire in his heart to assist and he followed through one guy said paul did more than to make his appeal to titus and his response was immediate sometimes i feel like getting people to serve in the ministry you almost like have to twist their arm and break their leg and and beg and plead and put like 27 announcements in the bulletin when in all reality, every single person in this church should be serving unless you have a valid excuse. And not only that, how about the earnest care to to go and to do something like this? I mean, that's the Lord. You know, this is so cool, the example we have in Titus. And what we find is that Titus had that fire. You know, he just had that desire. And it's just so cool when you see people and they have the, the ministry and it's just so cool. You know it's the Lord. You know it's totally God. And we read in our text here that he was, you know, more diligent. You know, he was more diligent, I guess you can say, than your typical disciple. He went on his own accord. He he went on his own volition. No one had to talk him into it or bribe him. Why? Because he cared. He cared for the Christians in Corinth. And I guess sometimes people hear it's really cool. They just say, hey, can I do anything? I'll, I'll vacuum the sides right there. We'll, you know, scrub the toilets. We'll help out. Why? Because I care for the congregation in Almonte. I'll tell you what, that blesses a pastor's heart, and that blesses the heart of Jesus. You know, what we find is that Titus had this heart, man, I just, I'm ready to serve. He was, uh, have you guys ever heard that phrase, gung-ho? We don't read that too much, huh? gung-ho. It's actually a, a fascinating word. I was like, where did that word gung-ho come from? And I guess it comes from the Chinese military. It's actually transliterated from the Chinese language. I don't know exactly how they would say it, gung-ho. You know, they would probably say it a little quicker or something, but <laughs> you know and now it's like but it was at a time where in the military in China when they found men who didn't need to be drafted who just they were so eager to fight that, that's where that word came from and then it kind of travels over that same guy who used to serve in the Chinese army he traveled to America and it became an Americanized word but it's so cool kind of to know where it came from because I think we need more Christians who are gung ho Right? (laughs) Just eager and earnest and, and ready to serve. And again, I know there's different responsibilities here. Some of you have to take care of your kids, some of you have to take care of your parents. There's there's valid excuses that you know you can't be there as much, but it's amazing to me how some have both those responsibilities and they're still serving. So now what's your excuse? Be careful. We're stewards of all these things, right? The NIV puts it this way, For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm on his own initiative. And so don't wait for us to ask. You go gung-ho. You go volunteer. So Titus would head back to complete the collection for the poor Christians in Jerusalem and And then there's no doubt that this would be a a lot of money, right? I mean, we're talking about a collection from the Ephesian church, undoubtedly. We're going to see later the Galatian churches, multiple churches there. Churches like, for example, Berea and Philippi and Thessalonica, the Macedonian churches. This is a lot of churches, so this is going to be a lot of money, right? Right? And so, Titus, there's no way he could do this alone. And so, again, we read there in verse 18, And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift which is administered by us to the glory of God of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind avoiding this that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift there's that word it's speaking of a lot which is administered by us and so we read in verse 18 that Titus wasn't going alone Um, they were sending a brother it doesn't say his name a lot of people say it was Luke Uh, One of the church fathers' origin, he he believes it was Luke. But there are some problems with that interpretation, so we're not 100% sure who it is. But, you know, Paul is wise. He's wise in including him because he has a good reputation. Notice there in verse 18, it says, With him the brother whose praise is in the gospel. Now that phrase right there, if you have an ESV, it says he was famous. Uh, Other translations say he was a famous evangelist. Um, And so that would be someone like a Billy Graham or a Greg Laurie. I mean, it was somebody well-known, somebody that was really trusted. And so that's the guy. We don't know his name, um, but apparently they would. And so he would travel with Titus and Paul, and Paul would come later and, and the team with a large gift in order to avoid any type of accusations or temptations, that the whole money matter would be honorable in the sight of God, and not just the sight of God, but also the sight of men. That's important, that they would all be keeping an eye on each other, so to speak. You know, and I don't, we don't know for sure. If you want to, you can write down Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Because Paul does mention a couple other brothers from Macedonia that went with him from Greece: uh, Sopater of Berea, Aristarchus at Sancundus. And so these are probably the guys that went. We're not sure. And it's just uh, it's just wise, man, when we're dealing with finances, that we deal with them with honesty and accountability. And so if you want to put a marker here, you go back to 1 Corinthians 16. We see that was the pattern, and it's a good pattern to have. In verse 1, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. He says, and when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. You see, it was, okay, we're going to receive a collection from you Corinthians, but you guys choose somebody from your church who you know is trustworthy, and they travel with us, just so that you know that, man, we're not going to double dip. We're not going to, you know, buy a couple of BMWs. We're not going to be eating out, you know, fancy no, this will be given to whom it's been given, who it's intended for. The money will be handled appropriately. And, and I think it's so cool for us to, as a church to be able to talk about these things, you know, because it's important that we have that accountability. It's not only just honesty, I believe you guys. I mean, recently we were praying about, oh, we need another person in administration. We need someone to help us out with that. And it's just so hard to find somebody. Not that you guys aren't honest, but we have to know you really well in order to put you in there. We have to know you really well. And so we got like three or four or five guys and and it's hard. But the church would, hey, there's somebody that we could, you know, put in that place, right? And that was the pattern we see in Corinth. And that was seemed to be the pattern that they had and all the various churches. And so Paul was wise. He didn't just say, okay, Titus, you go get the money and we trust you, you're a good guy. No, he knew. Uh, William Barclay said, Paul knew that he had his enemies and his critics. He knew well that there would be those who would not hesitate to charge him with turning part of the collection to his own use. And so he takes steps to see that it would be impossible to level that charge against him, but ensuring that others will share with him the task of taking it to Jerusalem. That's why, you know, as someone comes up to me, sometimes they'll, you know, give me some money here, man. Here's $100 for the collection. I say, Oh, no, don't give it to me. Go put it in the copy box. I don't want to touch that. As a pastor, I don't want to see who gives what. I mean, we do have a few other guys. I thought, oh, we could probably throw Rich in there and Henry in there. But they're pastors. I don't want them to see who gives because you know what ends up happening? is What ends up happening a lot of times is is we see that and we try not to treat people differently. But man, it's a challenge. The guys that we have in the administration, they're amazing guys. But we don't, Paul said, I'm not going to touch it. We got guys that are going to take care of it. Just so that you know that we're not messing around. And And I think it's kind of common sense, huh? I mean, if it was only Titus, think about it, if it was only Titus handling the money, if we only have one guy in that back room or whatever, the finances are handling the money, if it's just Titus, then what ends up happening? I mean, he's carrying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and even though he's a great man who earnestly cared, people wouldn't help, they might not help, but wonder, I wonder if he took anything for himself. And without that accountability, Titus would have no defense against an accusation hey you did you you took money, huh? Didn't you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, so who are you going to believe? You're going to believe who you want to believe. That's what ends up happening a lot of times. You believe who you want to believe, but if you got someone else there as a witness, what ends up happening is, hey, I got a witness, no, And there's a paper trail, and you know we're taking care of these things, right? I mean, without accountability, uh, Titus would have no defense against that accusation, and so anyone handling money alone has no defense against accusation, and that's why there needs to be multiple people involved. It needs to be paper trails. It needs to, you know, everything needs to be squeaky clean. It can't be sloppy because if it's just your word against her word or his word, then we're in trouble. And not only that, without accountability, Titus might be tempted by the enemy you know, to take, misappropriation of the funds, right? And so you need that accountability. I mean, here's something to think about. Um, Do you guys know who the treasurer was for the ministry of Jesus Christ? Judas. Judas. Judas was. Okay, okay. Now let me ask you a question. Just I want you guys to think this through, okay? Sometimes the best way to learn is to have the teacher ask you questions, especially if he doesn't know. I'm just joking. (laughs) Do you think Jesus put Judas as the the treasurer because he knew that Judas would rob from them? No. Jesus wouldn't do that. I believe Jesus put Judas as a treasurer because at that time in his life, He was the most honest man. He was the most qualified man. That's the way I would see Jesus putting people into ministry. And so at that time, he was an honest man. He was an accountable man. He was a gifted man for administration at that time when he was appointed there, but he didn't stay that way because the Bible says eventually that in the Gospel of John, it tells us that he started taking from the funds. You know, and and when you see that, it just breaks your heart, man, that Judas would actually do such a thing. And that can happen to any of us. In John chapter 12, verse 6, it says this, he said, not that he cared for the poor, that was Judas, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. You know, I'm sure Judas didn't start out like that. The Lord chose him, appointed him, but I believe that at the time of his ordination, he was the most qualified, but eventually the devil wore him down. And we read about him and his fall. You know, history tells us that the synagogues throughout the Mediterranean would send their annual tribute to Jerusalem via the representatives of each city in each synagogue. And so the Christians here are kind of doing the the same thing. You know, we need special men to serve in money matters of administration, especially when there's a lot of money involved. And here, like we read in verse 20, there's a lavish gift. Uh, The word refers to a bountiful collection. And here they're traveling together to guard against any accusation or criticism. And so we read in verse 21 that we need to be honorable. Look what it says. Providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And that's what we need to do. So, you know, if you're here and you're a member of this church and this is your home, I'm not talking about weird people, but I'm talking about people who do give and they care and they contribute. You know, if ever the day comes, you're like, hey, Manny, I'd like to find out how you guys are spending the money. I don't have a problem with that. I've always been taught that. My pastor taught me that. If there's anyone here who wants to see, hey, where is the money going? That's fine. Just as long as, you know, you're not here for the wrong reason, but because you really care. And that's okay, because we have to be accountable. And we got guys that, you know, that count the everything and not the pastors. And then we have um others that, you know, multiple checks and, you know, this person does the bank thing and that person. And so it's kinda cool. The way there is that there is that accountability, and oh, we really need to have that. And so we read in closing in verse twenty-two, and we have sent with them again our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent. Why? Because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you, or if our brethren are inquired about. They are messengers of the churches. Notice it says, the glory of Christ. Therefore show to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love, and of our boasting on your behalf. And so, uh, another brother. Now some people say that right here, what Paul is doing is writing a letter of recommendation within the letter of 2 Corinthians. And he's saying, this is Titus, he's a good guy. He's a fellow worker, a partner with me. Here's a brother, a famous pastor. Everybody knows about him. The church selected him. And here's another brother that has proven himself as well. And as a matter of fact, Paul was blessed by this guy because really what it says right there is that he believed in the Corinthians. He was uh, zealous for them. Notice again right there, it says in verse uh, 22, And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent. Why? Because of the great confidence which we have in you. There are probably some, maybe from the Macedonians, who are saying, the Corinthians, they're not going to step up. You know, they're not going to give. And, you know, perhaps that was what was going on. But then there's this brother who says, I believe in them. I believe that the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts. I'm, you know, excited for them. Paul was like that. And it's kind of cool. We talked about this a little bit before. When people believe in you. You know, there are some who say, and I grew up with this, you'll never be a man. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never. And some are like that. You'll never make it in life. And there are others that say, yes, you will. I believe in you. I believe that God's going to work in you. That's where this guy was. So Paul said, okay, I want you to go. (laughs) And he's writing a letter of recommendation for them, right? He's talking about how this whole thing is going to be handled honestly and with, account- and with accountability. And once again, we see gifts of godliness required for those who serve as church treasurers and the finance committee. Uh, we would call it administration, uh, different words, treasurers traveling with them. We read in verse 22 that they're often proved. It means that they've been proved many times, tested and honest, honorable and faithful, even with finances. They were diligent ministers. We read that there. The word diligent, again, it kind of comes back to what we read earlier, that earnest care, uh, zealous for the people of God. And so the special delivery would require, of course, special men. And so I just think it's cool the way that Titus is described there in verse 23 as a partner and a fellow worker with Paul, right? And he says, if anyone asks about these guys, uh, let them know that they're messengers of the churches, which tells us that they're representatives. Uh, The word can also be translated apostles. And when the church does this, it's so cool. They're, They're just honest, accountable, generous for the poor, that what ends up happening is, um, man, God does a great work, and Christ is glorified. I like what it says right there in verse 23. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, he says, the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. You know, when I, when I read that right there, and there are some translations that are not as literal. Maybe you have an NIV or something, an NLT, and it says, for the glory of Christ. But in the original language, it's not really what it says. It's the church is the glory of Christ. The church is the glory of Christ just because of who you are just because of the fact that you are a light in the darkness that you are alive in the midst of a you know a cemetery you are the the glory of Christ and even though we're you know we're messed up we're knuckleheads we blow it sometimes that we're forgiven that we're changed that we're becoming more and more like Jesus when people look at you it's it's the glory of Christ you know when they see your love in your care, and your compassion, your wise counsel, whatever it might be. And then there's those times where you reach in, you know, and you pull out, and you give. And that right there is even more glorious. Where a lot of times what ends up happening is people, unfortunately, are wanting to get or they're wanting to give for their own glory. When we give and we don't let our right hand know what our left hand is doing, and we give to the poor, then Christ is glorified. You know, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so they might not know, although well, it was that person right there. Because some churches, what they'll do is they say, okay, if you want to put your name on the front row right here for, for the rest of eternity, you know, give us a $1,000 and we'll put your gold plaque right there, right? So everybody knows. I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you guys saw that little house on the prairie. I better not go there. Anyways, uh, (laughs) you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, and they want to put their name on the building or whatever it might be. And it's for their own glory. It's not for the glory of Christ. But man, when you do it in secret, yeah, they might learn that that church helped that cause. But they don't know who it was. The Lord gets the glory. You know I, I was mentioning to you earlier that I, I don't really know who gives what, and uh, I you know I, I want to try to do my best to keep it that way. Um, every once in a while though, I'll find out, you know, I just somehow uh, recently it was kind of cool, and I'll just tell you this story. Um, I found out about um because you know we're trying to to just ask God for provisions for our missionaries in Cambodia. Because they need, they needed a car, and so you guys know that Paula came and she, uh, she was selling stuff from Cambodia, and you guys were buying, and, and you did, you did good. You guys probably do better when we sell burritos, I think, but, Manu um, though, especially, you guys like Manu though. I learned that about you, man. But you want to know what was so cool? Again, nothing bad about you guys, but, you know, the church as a whole. Uh, I think they raised me about $527. But you want to know what happened? One person gave online $600. So one person gave more than the the whole rest of the church. And they didn't even get the Cambodian stuff. And that's the Lord. You know, God stirred him up. You know, and I just, I think it's so cool Lord, when, when that happens, but it's got to be the Lord. Usually when I talk about giving, to be honest with you, the, the giving goes down. So don't think I'm trying to talk about giving so you guys can start giving more because I already know. <laughs> I already know how it is. And you want to know what, what else is kind of cool? Because I'm just trying to teach you guys these things. And at the end of the day, you're going to stand before God. It's not going to be, you know, us both. You're going to stand before God. Okay, the thing about this person is they didn't take from Peter to give to Paul. And what that means is some people, what they do is they take from their tithing that they they give to the church, you know, which to me, I think 10% is a good place to start. And they give that to the church just to kind of keep the church going and hopefully outreaches and things like that. They take from that. And they say, well, no, I'm not going to give to the church. I'm going to give to the, the cause over here. That's not what this person did. And I, and I think that's the way it should be. You have what's called your tithes. That belongs to the church. And then you have what's called your offerings and donations. And that goes above. If you think I'm off, that's okay. I still love you. You know, but I I really think that that's kind of how it is when you kind of put it all together. Every once in a while, you have people that they just can't give 10%, and the Lord knows. You have these uh, widows who are living on fixed incomes. The Lord knows. Definitely don't want to bring condemnation on you, but a lot of times, what ends up happening is we're just kind of indulging. And so, My prayer is that God would work in us so that we can, with every area of stewardship in our life, we could be obedient to him. Uh, I think it's important that we don't have, you know, that that sloppy agape. I'll tell you guys something funny, and I hope you don't get mad at me for this, even though you're probably already mad at me for what I said. But, you know, um, it's been hot lately, Right. And did you guys know this? Because I'll take a shower, and after I'm done taking a shower, you know, um, I don't, did you guys know that you could use a little towel to dry yourself? You guys know that? I'm just curious. Because most of us here, we use the big towels to dry ourselves, right? But what happened recently, not, not that my wife was, wasn't working or anything, but we ran out of the big towels, right? And so I used the little towel, and I'm like, wow, it's enough. <laughs> and then you know me. I'm so weird. I'm so weird. I start thinking that's this perfect illustration, where I think a lot of times we, well, I need all this and all this, and and God is just saying, no, you don't. You just that's enough. I don't know. I know God will bless you, and I'm not saying this, you know, because I, I I want you guys you know, to give to the church, you know. I mean, I'm saying this because I want you to be blessed. The book of Malachi, talks about that. How when you give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord, He will bless you more than you can ever, ever begin to imagine. And so, you know, right here, it's even an expression of love. We saw that there in verse 24. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. You know, um, it's an expression of love. We saw that last time in chapter 8 earlier, how he talked about how it's an expression of love. And I pray you guys that we would know that. You know, we read that scripture in 1 John 3, verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, How does the love of God abide in him? We saw it in chapter 8, verse 8. Notice what he says. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And so, you guys, um, it's not a coincidence, man, that in the old King James, the word love was often translated charity. Charity. A lot of times that's God testing our love. Will we give to the poor? Will we give to our missionaries that are in need or the orphans? Or will we keep it all for ourselves? It's just a matter of whether or not we, we really love. And so, th- three things. Number one, dealing with the flock uh, carefully and eagerly. We saw that so beautifully in Titus. Number two, dealing with the finances with honesty, but not just honesty, accountability. And then number three, dealing with the poor lovingly, and even gloriously. Because when we, if we come to this place as a church, God will be glorified through us. One last thing I want to share with you, that all this is in light of the fact that God is, de- is willing to deal with honest sinners ever so graciously. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord or maybe you don't even know if you know the Lord, you know, you don't know where you stand. You don't know for sure if when you die you're going to go to heaven. Then then really you just have to deal with the Lord honestly and you have to admit you know that you're a sinner. I mean if you've sinned, if you've ever lied, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever stolen, um if you've ever you know, done these things, uh, the Ten Commandments is a great place to start, then you've sinned. And that sin, it separates you from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says that our sins separate us from God. But that's why Jesus came. You know, Jesus came to die on that cross for all your sins. And then when he died, they put him in a grave, but he rose again to show that he has conquered the grave and he's victorious. And his risen life will reveal that he can impute to us his righteous life. And so what does the Bible say? The good news is this, that if you're just willing to deal honestly with the fact that you're a sinner separated from God and then willing to turn from those sins repent, and trust in Christ, believe in Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, then, then you will be saved. And so my prayer is that if you're here today and you don't know the Lord or you don't even know if you know the Lord, you don't know where you stand, you come to church, but that doesn't make you a Christian, one day we're going to die. You're all, we're all going to die one day and we'll either go to heaven or hell. The choice is yours. If you choose Jesus, then you choose heaven. And I pray that all of us here will receive that gift of salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If that's you here today, you're hurting, you don't even know why, there's this hole in your heart, you tried everything else, maybe you even tried religion, it won't fill the void. Only a personal relationship with Christ will. Only when you give him everything will it be real. And so my prayer is that you guys, man, you would know his love. He loves you and he died for you. Give your heart to him. Don't just come to church and go and have menudo, the same that you came. Go, come to church, get saved, and then go have oh, whatever you gotta do, it'll change your life. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte, at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.